0: Hello and welcome to the Respiratory Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dwight Chairman of the Respiratory Institute at Cleveland Clinic. This podcast is intended for healthcare providers and covers topics related to respiratory health and disease. My colleagues and I will be interviewing experts about timeless and timely topics in the areas of pulmonary, critical care, allergy, sleep, and infectious disease. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this podcast of The Respiratory Exchange. I'm Raid Wake, your host and the chairman of the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. My guest today is Dr. Shumita Khatri. Dr. Khatri is the vice chair of the Respiratory Institute at the Cleveland Clinic, and she also directs the Asthma Center here, which is a large multidisciplinary group taking care of asthma patients. She also has a deep interest in the environmental impact on the lung, which will be the topic of our discussion today. Welcome, Shamira. Oh,
1: thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: You know, we hear a lot about you are what you eat, but I've heard you say you are what you breathe. Yes. So tell us more about who, how this breathing makes us who we are.
1: Isn't that what any pulmonologist thinks anymore? I mean, honestly, our lungs are bathed in particles from the environment and how lucky we are that we're able to breathe. Yet, we're not always able to control what else we're breathing in from our environment. And I am quite fascinated by the fact that we are not only resilient because of what we breathe, but we are also vulnerable to what we're breathing in. Because of that, it's very hard to remove oneself as being a pulmonologist and not have an interest in the environment.
0: I've also heard you talk about the exposome as a term. Can you explain that to our audience so we understand what it is and its impact?
1: Yeah. Exposome is a more comprehensive view of all of our exposures. It considers everything that an individual encounters in a lifetime and how those exposures relate to health. And that way we can take account of what we can control and what we cannot control, but mitigate against. I should also mention that the effects can be distinctive based on age, chronicity of exposure, as well as genetic predisposition. So even though we may all be in a similar environment, our reactions to that environment or exposome could be different. There is a nice infographic I've seen, which really helps highlight what that looks like. It can can be outdoor versus indoor environment. It can be outside the body or inside the body, for instance, diet or one's microbiome. It can be prenatal or postnatal, like for prenatal aspects, think about viruses, antibiotic exposure, or even smoking exposure. And postnatal, of course, that maternal smoking while pregnant can become environmental tobacco smoke exposure. So if you can think about an exposome in all of those different compartments and consider all of those areas in which you are vulnerable or safe throughout birth, childhood, adulthood, and even older age, it helps us all have a little better idea of how to manage that so we have a healthy life.
0: Wow. So this is much more encompassing than our traditional thinking where you just you know, walk outside and you breathe there and mm-hmm. that's the exposure. It's really much more complex than that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think all of us used to think environmental science, environmental health, when we were growing up, you just think about outside. But now we realize that we're indoors so much, so much of it is indoors and occupational exposures, as well as things from technology, et cetera. it's much more complex than just the weather, even though that is what we talk about most of the time.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And as you know, I'm interested in doing research in breath analysis. Mm-hmm. And when we analyze somebody's breath, we find all kinds of things, mm-hmm. from their exposure on the highway to their exposure in the hospital to their exposure at the home. It's really very, very complex, much more complex than I think we tend to think initially. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's uh, amazing what a homeostatic mechanism it is at times, that you're able to breathe something in, manage it, and either... You know, able to be resilient from it or have to manage it so that it doesn't cause disease. Yeah.
0: Also recently, uh, there's been a heightened awareness of environmental change and climate change. Mm-hmm. How are these two related, the exposome, the exposure and, and the climate change and their impact on the lung?
1: Yeah, they're highly related. And there is more interest in this because it used to be that we would just see what's in our immediate environment, but now the world has become smaller. And in many ways, it's a good thing because we we're able to see extreme weather events, changes in people having to migrate because they can't farm anymore because of uh, droughts. And gosh, if this year didn't prove what globalization has done and the lack of geographic diversity has done, is that we see these extreme weather events. We see extreme colds, such as these polar vortexes. And then we see extreme heat, which results in heat-related disease such as hyperthermia and dehydration. And this is obviously worse for people with lung disease too, because they have difficulty breathing. And then we see issues with relation to flooding and tornadoes. And not only is it bad for health for the lungs, and we can talk about that a little bit more, how many things do affect the lungs related to temperature and weather. It also affects infrastructure, which affects health. So you know, Hurricane Katrina, which was 20 years ago, seemed like something that we won't see again, but we did just again recently, some terrible, terrible aftermath of the extreme weather of the hurricane down in the South, and then the aftermath of seeing Manhattan subways flooded. It's sort of hard to ignore the fact that so much of what we're seeing in the news that affects health and affects human safety is related to weather events.
0: Yeah, so just coming back to... The lung uh, Mm -hmm. diseases, uh, as this is kind of the respiratory exchange after all. So what are some of the lung diseases more commonly affected Mm -hmm. by the environment and stuff, you know, maybe and how? Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. So asthma and COPD, for starters. So asthma, we know that there's effect of pollution, such as particle matter pollution, or ozone, which causes oxidative stress in the airways and lungs, affects the inflammatory response, reactive oxidant species. And if you don't have enough antioxidant capability, it creates more inflammation, which results in direct symptoms, such as cough, phlegm, shortness of breath, wheezing, uh, susceptibility to other infections. In addition, for people with asthma and COPD, Also with allergies, when there's these changes in weather events, you actually affect the allergenicity of the pollen. So if you are somewhat atopic or likely to be triggered by allergies, the allergenicity is that much more and longer allergy season. So that affects airway conditions quite a bit, including upper airway. So those are the ones people mostly think about. However, even hypersensitivity pneumonitis is related to exposures, whether it's bacterial fungi exposure or wood or paint exposures in the home. In addition, interstitial lung disease that can come from coal dust, silica, asbestos, so that's exposures that are in the environment. And then even though most of the time we realize that smoking is the primary cause of lung cancer, there's plenty of people with non-smoking habits that have lung cancer. So radon is also an environmental pollutant. So all of these are some of the commonly known ones, but it's interesting. I had a, a group of us talking about other potential conditions in where air pollution or environment affects the lung. Cystic fibrosis, even ozone, causes increases in mitochondrial disruption, and the ozone stress reduces the CFTR in human bronchial cells. And in bronchiectasis, there's increased free oxygen radicals there. So no... Chronic condition is immune from an effect from the environment, especially if it's untreated, undertreated, or undiagnosed. So these are some of the multitude of ways that lung disease can be affected by the environment.
0: Wow, it affects almost every lung disease. You traditionally think asthma and COPD, yeah. but it looks like it's way uh, way beyond that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for enlightening us about sure. this. Let's say you have one of these diseases, asthma or COPD. Is everybody affected the same way, or some people are more susceptible than others mm-hmm. to these environmental exposures?
1: Just backtracking back to the idea of people who have better control of their condition, they're likely to be less susceptible. For instance. People with asthma, if it's well-managed, they may be less susceptible. But then some people are susceptible no matter what. So younger children, we know as their lungs are growing, if they're exposed to pollution, ozone, particulate matter, especially around high traffic areas, we know that from the Children's Health Study out of California that lung growth is actually somewhat stunted when they're closer to traffic. And kids who play sports outside, more than three summer sports a year, and are exposed to high ozone days they're likely to have more incidence of asthma so children are affected and then obviously the people with chronic conditions are affected no matter what age and then older people are affected as well as people who work on farms agricultural workers immigrants people of certain ethnic backgrounds or areas where they don't have healthcare access so there's vulnerable people everywhere those of us who can access health care, or have good fortune to be able to escape environmental exposures, do significantly better.
0: So, it sounds like those who are underserved medically are also underserved when it comes to effects of the environment or their diseases. It's
1: true, and often they're living in areas that don't have the means to get away. So, often less air conditioning, less, more heat islands because they're in more urban areas. They can't get away from the traffic pollution. They often have to be around work that does not prevent them from exposure to pollution. So it's a compounded effect for sure.
0: Any other factors that make some more susceptible than others? Are they genetic, familial factors, or are they mainly environmental in your mind?
1: Mm. No, it's probably gene and environment. I think we've all in the pulmonary space realized that it's not just one thing, it's a combination. And the question is how much of a combination is your own genetic makeup and your background and your family history? How much is the environment? And then maybe that space in the middle where epigenetics plays a role where, you know, after a certain amount of stress or exposures, is there some methylation of DNA or histone modification? So that then all of a sudden your susceptibility increases. You know, it's interesting in asthma, as you know, that you don't say you just have asthma, you have the asthmas, right? That somebody can have childhood atopic asthma, and then that seems to be quiescent or in some remission for a bit, and then they show up with their nasal polyps and aspirin sensitivity. So I never underestimate the power of something like a chronic airway disease to be very pro- in its way to appear in our bodies.
0: Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. You mentioned the children's health study, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as an evidence, you know, just to follow the science about environmental exposure. Uh, Are are there any other key studies that have really documented this impact of the environmental exposure on lung disease?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, There's a wide variety of types of studies that have shown this Primarily, epidemiologically, you'll see that there's patterns of presentations to the emergency room or increases in incidence of asthma. And of course, the panel study I just mentioned of the Children's Health Study. There's another favorite I have because I'm a fan of London, actually, and it was looking at a panel of people with asthma. They'd have them walk for a couple hours in Hyde Park, which sounds lovely. And then they'd uh, give them a break for a couple weeks, and then they'd have to walk for a couple hours on Oxford Street, which, by the way, I like too. It's good shopping. So then they'd uh, see them again, and they noticed that the same people with only mild to moderate asthma who walked in Hyde Park and did well, went to Oxford Street and had inflammatory markers in their airways and some decrements in small airway function. And I know many of us poo-poo small airway function, but we know that some people feel those symptoms. So it's real, and our body adapts. And does it adapt well, or does it have disease after that? So that's just another favorite of mine to talk about.
0: That's wonderful. That's actually a nice controlled experiment. Same yeah. city, different locations. I'll sign up for that one again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but while you're shopping, you right? Know, exactly, that'll be great. So, like, clearly, I think you provided us with the evidence and the thought about the impact of the exposure, the impact of the environment, how it affects specific lung diseases, and how some individuals are more susceptible than others. What can we do about this? Mm-hmm. I think is the big question. You know, as uh, what we can do, you know, we'll maybe tackle them one at a time as a Society, I know you're involved in policy advocacy for this area. What can we do as institutions, what we can do as physicians, and maybe later on as patients? So maybe take it from the top Mm -hmm. Okay. as what can we do as a society about this? What are the options for us?
1: Being aware of public policy around keeping our air clean and our water clean is so important. We cannot be blind to the ideas of what the environment does engaging in advocacy around that, and then paying attention to what you're doing that's adding to air pollution. Just uh, don't mow your lawn in the middle of the day or don't pump your gas in the middle of the day and use public transportation. Then from a standpoint of physician, you know, I find that there's a trifecta role that physicians should be taking now, and I'm seeing more of that. There's a role of a physician as a clinician where you guide patients and physician as educator where you're able to give keep them informed and then physician as advocate on a larger scale. You can affect one person at a time or you can affect a lot of people with policy. And the good news is if you support things like the Clean Air Act, you know that even while the GDP is growing and population is growing that you're having cleaner air. So none of this is a zero sum game. We can all do better. If we put our minds to it and engage with nonprofits and policy, to take it to a platform bigger than just your exam room.
0: Yeah. So back to the exam room that you mentioned and treatment. So sometimes I worry when people who smoke, for example, mm-hmm. and that's some type of uh, it's part of your exposome that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you prescribe them inhalers, you know, and then they're still smoking, mm-hmm. are we hurting them more? We're opening the lungs mm-hmm. just for more exposure. Mm-hmm. Is there something like that, or what? What? How do you balance? Advocacy and advice versus actually, you know, treatment. Patients just want a pill or they want an inhaler and they want to move on.
1: Mm. You know, it's What funny can we do you, about that? I'm thinking exa- exactly about your question and realizing that it's very individualized. You know, when I walk into a patient's room, I don't really think to myself, well, I'm just going to give them this pill or this inhaler. It's engaging them on a larger scale. And I actually really enjoy doing that. Usually I come in and start talking about what they're wearing. And then it opens up conversations more about life asking what their hobbies are. And then you concentrate on the symptoms and you, because that's why they came to you, you know, or someone forced them to, but most of the time they don't feel good. If you concentrate on the symptoms and they you give them what they need to get better, even if it is an inhaler, and then when you gain some trust, start in a non-confrontational way, but firmly that, look, you came to me for my medical advice. I'm going to also say how you can help this from getting worse. So that's when it comes to the smoking thing. And then Also saying that I know that you're living in shared housing and you don't always have control over what your neighbor is cooking and it's coming through the vents. How can we work through how you can advocate for yourself or what can you do in your own environment? It takes a little bit of homework. So you have these tips and tricks at your fingertips and I also guide them to many websites like the EPA website, the CDC website, but also like American Lung Association, Allergy Foundations. And I try not to barrage them, <laughs> but yeah. just enough. And every time, they'll too much information, too much sometimes information is, worse is not good, but they'll come yeah. up and ask about what they yeah. care about. And then you yeah. focus there.
0: Wonderful. I really enjoyed this and learned a lot from you. Anything else you want to leave our audience with before we close this podcast? Anything uh, you'd like to share?
1: For those of us who are pulmonologists, I think we all are aware of the role the environment has and whether you're a bench researcher or a clinician in the office, I urge you to get more involved in something bigger than just in the exam room. And for those of you who are clinicians not in pulmonary, this doesn't only affect the lung. It has effects on our overall health, including inflammatory markers, cardiovascular disease, stroke, And so being well-versed in how to manage when an environment may not be healthy around you so that you remain healthy is a conversation just like in primary care to get your flu shot. I would just ask people to get more knowledgeable about this and make it just part of what you talk about, just like the weather.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Kach. I really enjoyed our podcast. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you all for listening. This has been an episode of the Respiratory Exchange on the environmental impact on the lung. My guest was Dr. Shimita Katri, the Vice Chair of the Respiratory Institute and the Director of our Comprehensive Asthma Program, who has always been passionate about the environment and its impact on lung disease and asthma and beyond. Thank you all and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Respiratory Exchange. For more stories and information from Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute, You can follow us on Twitter at Klee Clinic Lungs or follow me at TriDweckMD. Thank you.